0: Deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Richmond has got his first Major League home run! Welcome to the Batters' Box. Uh, hiatus. A little bit of a hiatus for us. But we are back to our regular regularly scheduled programming episode today on wednesday august 23rd and we will be back on friday there's a lot to talk about my name is david quadrelli i am joined as always by mike Liu, and we are here to talk about the red hot seattle mariners who are one game back of first in the al west look i know we gave our al west picks months and months ago and neither of us said the mariners but i gotta tell you mike i never doubted my m's i just had to keep it to myself <laughs> I am I, changing my pick, officially, I am changing my pick, and this is the last time you can do it, it's like the trade deadline for us, we, uh, this is the last time you can change your picks for division winners, <laughs> I am picking the Seattle Mariners to win the AL West.
1: I, I like how you had to start it off like, we're, we're going to talk about the Mariners, I think it's more going to be, you're going to talk, you're talking about the Mariners, and like, might I point out that you were, you weren't very happy with the Mariners' deadline. Uh, and now they're doing, I don't know where this is coming from, but, um, yeah, here we are. They're not, they're not far off the division lead. I don't think that's that. I don't think that's something many of us were thinking would be happening, um, at the
0: end of August. I just need to say, first, I want to walk back what I said about their deadline, because I said it was a mistake <laughs> not to trade Teoscar Hernandez because this team looked like they were one toe in one toe out and they weren't really sure what they wanted to do. But obviously, what they thought they were going to do and what they ended up actually doing is trading from a position of strength in their mind, which was the bullpen. They get Andres Munoz back, and he's not been as good as he normally has been in years past. But they deal from a position of strength. They deal their closer, Paul Seawald, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I don't know if you check Seawald's stats in Arizona. has not been that great so far, but that's aside from the point. They move Seawald. They look like sellers. And there's a lot of rumors that they're moving on from Teoscar Hernandez. Because his contract expires at the end of this year, and the Mariners probably aren't going to re-sign him. But they end up keeping him, so I just said that seemed like a mistake. Because this team probably wasn't going to compete, is what I thought. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what I said out loud. That's not what I felt. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. But, like, you see the teams in the AL West, the Astros, the Rangers, uh, loading up. And then you see the Mariners not doing that. In fact, looking like they're doing quite the opposite. But, Psych! Psych, the Seattle Mariners, last time we recorded, and we were talking about how they were the most mediocre team in baseball, how they kept going back to 500. They are now 21 and 5 in their last 26 games. Just utterly ridiculous since the start of July, really, is when they really started to take off. And we kind of had this conversation of, yeah, like they're looking good right now, but. They just dealt Seawald. They're kind of just saying, okay, well, this season isn't it. I think they were at 500 um, at the trade deadline, but all they've done in August is win. Julio Rodriguez has been the best player in the majors this month, and it has just been everything is going right for the Mariners, and it's so weird because I I said this to my girlfriend last night when we were watching the Mariners game. I just said, like, it's not even fun to watch this team right now because they're playing the White Sox, and it's just like, you know they're going to win, which is like crazy to say because that series against the Royals that they had, they made it look like they were going to lose, and then they eventually won. But each game, it looked like they were just going to blow it. So this team was um, looking like they were going to be a team that was just hard to watch because they were blowing leads to, you know, to bad teams. And historically, the Mariners having an easy schedule doesn't mean wins for them. Like like a lot of times it means they get to choke, but all their fans weren't expecting it. Um, So I think a lot of Mariners fans were looking at this stretch where they have games against the White Sox. Uh, They have two series against the Royals. They have a series against the Athletics at home next week. Like everybody's looking at this and saying, yeah, those are bad teams, but we don't, those aren't wins yet. So let's just see what the Mariners do You know, sweeping Houston was just, I think that was the biggest statement that this team could have made, Uh, really just projected themselves back into the AL West conversation, because for for months it was, okay, well, maybe they can snag a wild card spot, but they're one game back. They're one game back of the Texas Rangers, and they're on another eight-game winning streak. They're on their second eight-game winning streak of the month of August. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, it's
1: how many teams do you cheer for that you can say, um, you know that they're gonna win. Like that's not something we're used to saying. There's not something I know. Like I know I personally have not had a team where I was like, oh, this team's gonna like win. Besides the Avalanche. Um, yeah like that's that's just absurd and the way they've been just playing like again j-rod it, like j-rod's numbers through the trade deadline until now have been absolutely absurd like i i think someone uh i, I think someone on blue jays nation brought it up but it, I, vladdy for the entire month of like for the entire month of july until now i think or something like that uh he was like He's only had 17 hits, whereas J, J- Rod has 17 hits in four games. I don't know when this was. You, m- you might have to fact check me on that, but it's just absurd what the Mariners players are able to do right now. Like their performance has just been off the charts, and you look at their schedule. And again, these are teams that they should be. These are teams that they should be beating. These are teams that they are beating, and honestly with how weak their schedule looks like even if you get into the first couple series in september like the rays are stumbling you have the angels who like oh my god i feel so bad for shohei otani all the trade deadline acquisitions have done jack shit for them like the only hearts like the only series that would like realistically you would say that uh the mariners would have trouble with are the dodgers on september 15th to 17th and then it's right back to playing oakland so, is is this is this how the Mariners go from being completely out of the playoff picture to being division champions within the span of two or three months?
0: I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes, but y- you you've, you've seen their schedule. The end of it. Yeah is a little more tough what you would think like <laughs> astros, they have rangers, games Ast- against the astros they have games against the rangers they have games against the atlanta braves who are an absolute wagon of a team this year Uh, like this is going to probably come right down to the wire, right? Um, and also, excuse me, I misspoke. They do not have a series against the Atlanta Braves. I was reading literally the wrong month, but they do finish the season with a three game series against the Astros followed by a four game series against the Rangers. And right before that Astros series, there's another three game set against the Rangers. So yes, the Dodgers are obviously the toughest opponent that they have left, but Like that's going to be a bloodbath. It is. It's going to be a bloodbath. But like the final, I I, I don't think we'll actually know who the AL West winner is until the final week of the season. Like, I don't think there's going to be any, like maybe even the final day, to be honest with you. I don't think there's going to be that much separation between these two teams or three teams. If you want to include the Astros, which you obviously do. So yeah, like it's, it's going to be a very interesting finish to the season. But I think the thing that, you know, it is so funny about it is with the Angels, right? Like, we talked about the Angels, and the Mariners were about to play the Angels in a series, I think the last time we recorded, because <laughs> that was before I went on vacation, yeah. and then I've been kind of MIA for about two weeks. But, like, I, I said, and somewhat jokingly as I do with everything I say about the Mariners, but I said, like, the Mariners are about to end the Angels' season. Like, right after the trade deadline, I said that. They did. And they did. They swept the Angels, and the Angels have not recovered. Like, the Angels were... One game out of the final wildcard spot, and then they found themselves four games out of the final wildcard spot, and they haven't recovered. They are now ten games out of the final wildcard spot. It has been all bad for the Angels since losing that series to the Mariners, <laughs> since the trade deadline. Really, it's been horrible. Horrible. It's been tough sledding for those Los Angeles Angels and Shohei Otani. Future Mariner, I might add. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, playoff revenue would go a long way to helping them with that, right? That's right. And 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 final oh thing, and, and we'll, we'll t- let's talk about the Orioles right after this. On that note, that you brought up playoff revenue, um, but. <laughs> The Seattle Mariners, the final thing I want to say about that is with J-Rod's streak that you brought up with the 17 hits in four games, obviously that is an MLB record. First time that that has been done since 1925, I think it was. Uh, and it was one of those guys like that have those crazy nicknames for names, like Tungsten Armo Doyle or whoever it was. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that set that record, but J-Rod obviously broke it. Uh, the impressive thing was none of those games went to extra innings. Like maybe one of them went to the 10th inning, but like none of those games were really, really long games where he had six or seven at bats. Like he was just, he was hitting the ball every time he came up to the plate. And like, it, it was funny because I just, I just said like, yeah, you're watching this team and it's just like, well, they're going to win. I just need to, you know, I'm sitting and watching it and I know they're going to win. It was like J-Rod was at the plate and you're like, well, yeah, it's Framber Valdez on the mound, but you know he's going to hit it. Like, you know Julio Rodriguez is looking at that thing and it's coming in like a beach ball to him right now. And he's just, he's making contact on every pitch he sees. So um, hopefully he recovers from this stomach illness, but I think that's maybe the more impressive part. And I don't know how impressive it is since it's the White Sox, but like they have been doing it without Julio Rodriguez, who has missed the last two games with a stomach bug. Um, He's back in the lineup today for this morning's game against the White Sox, which is actually going to start in about 15 minutes from the time we're recording this. But um, you're just watching this team and just seeing like, okay, like, they're going to win, they are going to be competitive down the stretch here. And it's just going to be a bloodbath to see how this season actually ends. But to be honest, like I'll say it in all seriousness, I didn't think we'd find ourselves here. Like I, I thought, I thought the trade deadline was the end of the Mariners' 2023 season. I thought that was it. I, I didn't expect Dom Canzone to come back in the trade and be fantastic. I didn't expect <laughs> former Savannah Banana Cade Marlowe to end the Angels' oh, season. Oh my god! Like I didn't expect any of that. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I also like to some extent, I didn't expect say Oscar Hernandez to have, like, the best month of August that he's ever had. I didn't expect Eugenio Suarez to be as good as he's been. I didn't expect Julio Rodriguez to break records that have been set by guys who've been dead for 50 years. Like, I didn't expect any of that. So I'll put up my hand and say yes. I I believe in the Mariners now, but I, I, I lost faith after the trade deadline. Like, I don't <laughs> think they were going to do this. I mean, they might, um... <laughs>
1: they're all performing now it's just a question of if they can keep performing right because you're familiar with teams that are very streaky and uh, like the Mariners are definitely on a roll they look like they're gonna win every game but what if that like starts to falter especially in those last two three series especially like it looks like they're gonna get a they're gonna get a postseason berth what if they start faltering then like is, is how, as a Mariners fan, would you rather have them, like, just suck entirely and not get your hopes up? Or get your hopes up and then lose in a humiliating fashion in the postseason?
0: Define humiliating, because I think they humiliated the Toronto Blue Jays last year. And if there's a chance that yeah. they could do that again, I'd absolutely <laughs> want to watch it. So, like, I don't know. I, I, think, I think, like, let, let's put this in perspective of a Jays fan, right? Like, if you're a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays, would you rather see them not compete like they did for years. Like, remember the Vernon Wells years, right? Like, yes, remember those yes, years yes, yes. when they didn't compete, they had Roy Halladay, and they still weren't able to make the postseason. It's like asking, would you rather see that, or would you rather see them get into the first round and then lose in the first round? And, you know, in, you know, I'll say it, somewhat embarrassing fashion to the Seattle Mariners last year when <laughs> I don't you think, had I, Jays I don't think it was twi- somewhat. Yeah, exactly. Like, you had Jays fans tweeting, like, when they were up 9-1, to one being like, all right, so who are we pitching for Game 3? And then Cal Raleigh was like, wait a second, and then the Mariners sweep them. Like, it doesn't get much worse than that if you're a baseball fan. And I still think every Jays fan that's listening to this would say, yeah, you know what, I'd rather see them make the playoffs again. Of course you'd rather see them make the okay. playoffs.
1: Okay. That, I'm, I was just curious as to what what, what your what what your thoughts were for behind that. That's it. But
0: the <laughs> other thing about them being a streaky team and 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 all that sort of stuff, like after that eight game win streak, they lost to the Orioles. Very close games, might I add. Like the first one was one nothing for Baltimore. The second was five to three, and then they lost seven to six to the Royals. And it was like, uh oh, here we go. Like three games in a row after this eight game win streak it was fun while it lasted, here comes the losing streak, but then they got it back on the rails, and now they've rattled off eight again. And by the way, three of those came against the Houston Astros in Minute Maid Park. Like, this isn't just a team that's, you know, just getting hot at the right time. To some extent, it is. But it's also a team that just faced some adversity in the form of that three-game losing streak. And instead of saying, yeah, you know, like, this sucks, they, they got right back to work. Like, this team is just, this team is playing at a level that they just haven't this year. Like, like it, it was like, you were watching them and just saying like, man, this team just doesn't have kind of the drive. You know what I mean? Like, especially when Julio was yep. not hitting, it was like the team didn't have their mojo kind of thing. And obviously, your best player not being your best player is going to cause that, but... For the most part, like let's be honest, the Mariners haven't been a streaky team this year. They have been painfully mediocre for the majority of this season. They they have been 10 and 10. They have been 20 and 20. They've been 30 and 30. They have been 40 and 40. They have been 50 and 50. They were the epitome of mediocre until they finally pulled ahead here. So if you're asking me if I see this team losing 5 or 6 straight, no, I don't. They haven't done it at all this year, even when they were sucking, in my opinion, when they were mediocre. They still weren't losing yeah. games in a row like that. They, they were just winning two, losing two, winning two, losing two. So if they if they return to mediocrity from here on out, they're still in a spot where they could make, a, make the postseason. Like, they could still make the postseason if they are still, like mediocre and just a step above mediocre they're still going to be in a playoff spot because of how much damage they've done in the month of august and late july like they they are in a position now where they have some comfort like like they can get comfortable a little bit um i i stress a little bit because you can't because there's so many teams that are on your heels with the blue jays right um but yeah, like, they're in a position now where I'm not as worried as a Mariners fan. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here being like, man, I really hope they don't lose six straight. Like, they haven't done that this year. If they do that this year, that would just be totally, um, like, like that that is completely unforeseen. Like, nobody, is, nobody would see that coming, them losing six games straight. Although, if you're a Mariners fan for more than a few years, of course you see it coming. But in all seriousness, this team that hasn't lost that many games in a row this year... I, I don't see it coming. I, I don't see that happening. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
1: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That, uh, <laughs> that sounds good to me, but you you know the Mariners. <sighs> never mind. Never mind. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to put the energy out there. I I, I I can't get my hopes up with the Mariners at any point like it, it always ends up backfiring and i think i'm i think i'll jinx it if i put the energy out there so let, let's talk about the orioles
0: yeah we'll talk about the orioles in the <sighs> context of like i i thought of talking about the orioles when you brought up mariners playoff revenue because well the yeah Orioles like, owner. yeah go on
1: yeah, let's like the the guy didn't he say he was still losing like he was still losing money or something? I remember reading I, I don't remember where I read it, but he was like, Oh, we need to field a much more compet like we we would have to jack up the prices so much more in order to field a
0: more competitive team or something like that. Okay, so here he, here's the thing. Here here's the context that I want to provide is that owning sports franchise, but especially a major league baseball franchise is not a lucrative business, right? Like, if you want to win, typically you are not going to also make a profit. Like, like, like if you look at the profit margins of teams in the MLB, like, the Oakland A's are right up there. The Oakland A's are, you know, I think in the top five for sure, and that's just because they have a very low payroll, right? So if you're in the business of making money and you own a Major League Baseball franchise— you are not going to dish out these long-term commitments that you're seeing teams like the Dodgers, seeing teams like the Yankees. Uh, you know, I don't even want to put the Braves in that conversation because they've done it a whole different way that I think we're going to see teams copy. And we should do a whole episode, honestly, about how the Braves have gone about locking up their core for so long. For like Ronald Acuna is going to be one of the most underpaid athletes in, like, in the modern yeah. era because of how they have structured his contract in Atlanta. And I'm not saying they like pulled the wool over his eyes. He took he took the guarantee, right? Like he he wanted that when he was a younger player and he got it, right? But yeah, what we're not going to see is teams like the, you know, like the Oakland A's or like the Baltimore Orioles spend a bunch and then also make money off it. Like a lot of these teams that are spending a ton with the exception of, like, I, I think the Dodgers, because they develop so well and they have so much coming as well, like, they have such a loyal fan base and, and fans worldwide, and same with the Yankees, I think you could put them in that conversation, that they're not bleeding money the way, like, a small market team would if they lock up all their players, and that's just, that's what the Orioles owner was saying. My issue with it is just that you're saying this when Jackson Holliday is still in A. Like, your yeah. your best prospect, like arguably the best of the bunch. Like maybe I'm not sure if he'll be better than Adley Rushman, but I think he might be. I think he plays shortstop, and I don't know if that's a more premium position than catcher. I would argue that it isn't, but yeah, you you're arguably the best of the bunch has not even made his big league debut yet, and you are already talking about how you are going to have to dismantle this young core that your organization has put together unless you start jacking up prices. Unless that was an actual ploy to be like, hey, we are going to start jacking up prices, then that is just stupid. That That is just... For, for a guy that was upset that the home team announcer for his precious ball club had the audacity to say that their team is playing so much better at Tropicana Field than they have in the past two years prior, and this team is great, and he said that's too negative. For this same guy to turn around and basically say, oh yeah, you like that? You you like what you're seeing to your fan base? And then also now just say, yeah, well, get don't get used to it because it's leaving soon. That is just the <laughs> stupidest thing you could do as an owner I I don't understand why you would give a quote like that right now instead of saying, like, yeah, you know what? Like, these guys are young right now. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do and and what we're going to be able to put around them and how we're going to be able to lock them up. Like, if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you need to be looking at how the Atlanta Braves went about their business, and you need to get in front of this. Like, you need to lock these guys up while you still can, and you need to get these guys under club control. Like, Like, the majority of the Braves' core... I think Ozzy Albies is the first one up for a new contract in 2026. The Braves' core is locked in for that long. Like, Ronald Acuna's 2029, I think, or something ridiculous like that, where he's making what he's making. Like, the Braves locked up their core so early, and the Baltimore Orioles can be looking at their situation and do one of two things. They can say, we are going to do the same thing the Braves did, or they can sit on their hands and say, well... We have to do what the Oakland A's do, and we have to get rid of these guys before they're due for their big contracts, but we're going to enjoy them while we can. And if you're an Orioles fan, obviously you are hoping for the former, not the latter. And, like, this, is, this isn't even to say, like, like Jackson Holliday's still in double-A. Heston Kerstad is still in triple-A. These are premium prospects that are going to be coming to your team and are going to make an impact at the big league level. I honestly, I think the next time we were, well, we're recording on Friday, but I think September 1st, we are going to see a Jackson Holiday call up to the big leagues. I don't think that kid is going to play in AAA. I think he is going to come up to the big leagues. The Orioles do not have an answer at shortstop right now. They could use Jackson Holiday in their lineup right now. Yes, he is 19 years old, but star players have made their debuts at 19 19 years old. Forget club control, forget all that Call up Jackson Holiday. He can help your team now and he can help your team in the postseason. This kid is special and you need to let your fans enjoy him, especially if you're talking about, oh, we're not going to be able to keep this core around. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it in this postseason run. See what you can do with this young core because they're here and they are ready. How, how much of an off
1: field distraction can this ownership group be? Uh, th- they're speed running this challenge right now because it's uh, like the right now the the Orioles are currently negotiating for a stadium lease or something like that if I remember correctly I, I feel like this was a way for him to cry poor but at the same time it makes no fucking sense to do it especially when your team's having the season that it's having you have such a loyal fan base and like the Orioles fan base might not be as big as let's say the Dodgers or the Yankees but they're a passionate fan base and one that really like they know baseball. And they they've been they've been literally stuck watching some of the worst teams in baseball for the past what three, four, five seasons. And now like when they're finally, it's like, oh, all the growing pains are paying off. Like you're getting you're getting all these high-end talent, you're getting prospects, you're finding undervalued players who are blossoming into much more than what other teams thought thought they'd be like this is a team with so much good vibes on the field that it's going to get absolutely dragged down by everything happening off of it because uh, (coughs) there's no way that this can't be affecting like the players on the field like what kind of message does this send when your owner is literally in the media it's like oh these players won't be career Orioles unless we really, it might not be feasible because we just don't have the money. But if you give us more money, they might be career Orioles. Like, it. it it's just that sort of, that sucks. As a player, as a fan, this is, this shit is a distraction and it is so hurtful. Like, it, it is genuinely, like, a, it's such a slap in the face to hear this.
0: Yeah, it's disheartening, right? Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's disheartening if you're an Orioles fan, and I feel bad for Orioles fans, but also you can't feel too bad for them because their team is very good right now, and they are still going to get help. Like, like Jorge Mateo, the shine on him has worn off. So, like I said, Jackson Holiday probably is going to get called up. He's just like I think everybody, probably the Orioles included, in this. Have just been waiting for him to calm down in the minors, right? Like just waiting for him to kind of cool off because he's hitting at a level that's just ridiculous. One for his age, but just for the league in general. Like right now he's got a 343 average, and this isn't like a small sample size. This is over 105 at bats. Like he, he's played in you know, a lot of games in double A already, and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. Like he's hitting better in double A than he did in high A. Like, he's he's just playing really well. He's just playing good baseball wherever he is, and I don't think, just based on like his approach at the plate and the things he does well, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he wouldn't be an impactful player at the big league level. I have one criticism of him, and maybe this will sound weird. I don't like that he likes to slide feet first. <laughs> Like it's it's the weirdest <laughs> criticism, but his slide, his the slide, like he hit a triple the other day, and I was watching the highlights, and he slid feet first into third, and his slide looked like what I've seen like double A bantam players do, like like oh like my fifteen God. year olds make the same slide, and it's just like I was like, oh, that that doesn't look like a big leaguer slide, but again, that that's just the that's the only criticism I have of Jackson Holiday his approach Holy to the plate is shit. awesome he's got incredible plate discipline and obviously the power speaks for itself but I don't like his slide <laughs> <laughs> I think that's gonna
1: be I think that'd be readily fixable if they so choose to I also think it's working for him right now like my guy my guy's popping off I don't know, I don't know if they're gonna be focusing on the slide versus what he could bring defensively and at the plate. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, Jackson, we can't call you up because you don't know how to slide into third. You're making a slide tackle every time you slide into third. No, you got you got to slide head first. It's not soccer. Oh Oh, my god.
0: But you're right. His bat and his defense would help this team, and they don't really have an answer. Like they've started to play Gunnar Henderson. At third base, but it's just like makes no excuse me. At shortstop, not third base. Third base is where he usually plays. At shortstop, he's played. He's played some games at shortstop, but like they're still trying to convince themselves that Jorge Mateo is an answer at shortstop. Like Jorge Mateo is still playing in games, albeit at a lesser rate. They don't have anything. Like they don't really have anybody that can do it right now. And Jackson Holliday is probably just sitting down there, like, all right, guys, I'm ready. What more do I have to do to get a call up?
1: Yeah, and we already saw, like, the Angels, they brought up Nolan Shanuel picked the 11th overall this past draft. He's the fastest call in 40 years, and, like, he showed up pretty well. So, what's stopping the Orioles from bringing, uh, bringing up Holiday? Is this just trying to manipulate service time? Or is just them, like, oh, we're going to keep teasing our fans and, like, maybe have something down the road? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. He's probably their best shortstop in the entire organization.
0: Yeah, and you brought up Shanwell. Yeah. Um... 11th overall pick, first call-up from this draft class. And look, that that is a fast call-up. And look, the Angels aren't doing much right right now, but I love that. I love that they called it. Oh, absolutely. They were, like, look at the Angels' death chart at first base. CJ Krohn goes down, <laughs> and... They were literally like, yeah, this kid we just drafted is our best choice. And that's what Phil Nevin said when he was talking about it. He's like, this isn't us gifting a player, playing time, or giving up on a season. This is literally us looking and saying, this is our best option. And he has been. Like, he's been fine. He's hitting 267 yeah. through his first four games. He's got a hit in every game he's played so far. Y- you have to like what you've seen from him so far. Especially when you look at, you know... Um, not to pick on guys, but like Colton Kowser in Baltimore. That's that's an example to me of a guy that got called up and just wasn't ready. Like he go, he got called up, goes back down to AAA, just looked like he wasn't ready for the big leagues just yet, but you're not really seeing that with Nolan Shanuel. And with Jackson Holiday, you're expecting to not see that either. So I'd like yeah. to see it. I'd like to see the Orioles do something similar. I'm not just saying this because I have Holiday in my keeper league, my fantasy league. <laughs> um, but call him up. And while you're at it, call up Kirstad. And I am saying that because I have both of those guys in my fantasy I league. Cannot, I cannot believe you. <laughs> Truly quasi-rebuilder right here. That's right. That's oh. right. Um, do you want to talk about uh, Yuri Perez? Because this is a guy that you and I have been texting about quite a bit. Um, we okay. really didn't get a chance to talk yeah. about him? Like,
1: it. remember when they sent him down and we were like, why are you sending this guy, this kid down? Because before before he was sent down, he had one bad game. And that bad game was against Atlanta Braves. Every pitcher, I don't care how good you are, every pitcher is going to have a hard time playing against the Atlanta Braves team. And for a 20-year-old kid to come in and, and like, he he got shelled. The, the, that's, that's not really a question. But he was... I think arguably the Mar- a Marlins best pitcher and they sent him down because he had never pitched more, uh, the- he had never pitched more innings in his entire career in a single season. And on one hand, sure. Manage, manage his arm. You don't want him getting hurt. Cause he's probably like the, ja- he's probably the jewel of your entire like pitching rotation and like the- your pitcher of the future, uh, your ace of the future. Sorry. Um, fine that's all fine and dandy but like man couldn't you have managed him at the major league level couldn't you have really just tried to find a solution they were ready let lim- me remember like even when he was performing like astoundingly well he only got out of the fifth inning a couple of times like he he got yanked very early and he was having some really 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 good starts and yeah like the so he gets set down then he gets brought back up. Well, brought back up. I actually didn't even realize he was brought back up until I saw him um, on my NA slot. Uh, his first game back, uh, I think that was against Cincinnati. Let me, let me check. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. The Cincinnati game. He pitches four point two. He f- pitches four point two innings. He gives up. He, he strikes out seven, and he gives up five hits. Uh, five hits and two ho- uh, two homers. Like all of a sudden. He, he did not look like the same pitcher. It looked like his stuff went missing. And, like, you, you Quads, you remember, like, how I was texting you, like, after the Cincy game, after the New York game, or are like, man, that momentum he had before the trade deadline, it's gone. This guy looks like a different pitcher. His stuff's just not working, all that. He was just ta- he was just taking L's left, right? And then, against the LA Dodgers, on the 19th, four days ago, this guy goes six innings, Strikes out 10, only allows two hits, not a single walk. Like, holy shit, this kid is good. But I'm still frustrated that they didn't have him... Like, that big month gap between the St. Louis game and Cincy game. You can't tell me that that doesn't impact the confidence of a young player. You can't tell me that sending them down and bringing them back up doesn't fuck with them somehow. Because that's... It sucks that he was down in a... It sucks that we have to see him struggle... Uh, it, like, why couldn't you just keep him up and manage his load up at the big leagues? It doesn't make any sense.
0: And, and the thing is, is he didn't really pitch much in the minors. Like, it wasn't like he went. No, down and he, was didn't. Like, right, he did. He literally sat regular there. Yeah, you're going to be a regular uh, member of the Pensacola rotation. Like, no, he he could have stayed with the big leagues. That that was done to manipulate service time. We know that obviously. But you talk about momentum, like. That game when he only went four innings against the Yankees, who this season look like they are capable of getting no hit by that kid from Taiwan, the Little League team. Like, the Taiwan Little yeah. League team, it looks like he could no hit the New York <laughs> Yankees this season, and he gets tagged for four runs against them. Like, yeah, you're looking at him and saying, wow, this guy's season might be over. Like, he, he might just never return to being that pitcher that we saw early in the year because they killed his momentum that hard. But like you said, 10 Ks against the Dodgers through six innings, two hits is impressive enough, but I think what really impressed me the most about that was his efficiency. Like, he went six innings against the Dodgers with 10 10 strikeouts, okay, keep that number in mind, and he only threw 90 pitches. Like, yeah. 90 pitches through six innings is impressive enough, but when you also pick up 10 strikeouts, that is the most quality, quality start you can get as a pitcher for your team is doing that to the LA Dodgers of course the Marlins went on to lose uh, to, went on to lose that game as soon as the bullpen came in but like Yuri Perez probably is the Marlins best pitcher right now and that that that's how it should be like that that's kind of what I want to talk about is it, it was, I I wonder Mike if the Marlins even call up Perez if they don't start to struggle in the month of July. Like did getting swept by the Cardinals right after you got swept by the Orioles and then following that up with a series L to the Colorado Rockies. No offense. (laughs) Like was that the straw that broke the camel's back where they were just like, all right, we can't lose. Like, first of all, You lost six straight by losing three games to the Orioles and three games to the St. Louis Cardinals, who, again, might get no hit by that kid from Taiwan, right? Like six straight losses that just shouldn't really happen. And it might not have happened if you had Yuri Perez in the lineup. And that was in the middle Mm -hmm. of July. Then they lose the series right after that to the Colorado Rockies. Like if if the month of July doesn't go that way for the Miami Marlins, where they end up I think they had, a losing yeah, they had a losing record in the month that they didn't have Perez, and now they're out of a playoff spot. Does that team even call up Perez if that doesn't happen? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's even in the I, big leagues right now. I don't now. think so. I, I think that they
1: just would have had him sit in the minors and, like, literally do nothing. Like, we, we saw what their plan was for him was to basically not pitch for the rest of the year, which is so fucking stupid. They were just going to have him chill out, like, work on some things, uh, that just never makes sense to me. It's like, do you not want your twenty-year-old? Uh, do you not want your twenty-year-old top prospect to be getting the most amount of reps, the most amount of like ex-game experience? Because, but imagine by the time he hits his prime as a pitcher, like he's going to be absolutely insane with the amount of game experience that he has. Like the art, the entire art side of pitching, not just like what he has command of. Like his stuff is. There's no question he has some wicked stuff. We, we we can see that it's quality, but that whole psychological aspect of pitching, like the whole gamesmanship, how you manage, how you manage yourself throughout the innings, you, you you're taking out a big chunk of that experience um, from a kid, and you have the rare opportunity to have this kid develop into potentially the best pitcher in the entire MLB. I think that that's something that could happen if everything everything goes the right way for him it just doesn't make sense from a development perspective and it's just it, it it's frustrating it, i don't i i've said that so many times but it just i don't think the marlins would have felt the urgency to be able to have bring him up if they didn't struggle and i don't think that's a mentality that a team should have especially when they're looking to build a young core for the future right
0: absolutely absolutely um and a wild card race in that same vein we'll wrap it up here but NL wild card race. Look at the standings right now. I'll give you a second to pull them yep. up just so you're looking at them. <laughs> NL wild card race right now. <clears throat> the Philadelphia Phillies sit in the top spot, the Chicago Cubs second, but they are tied with the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Chicago <laughs> Cubs, Arizona Diamondbacks, Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants, and Miami Marlins are all within a game of the second wild card spot. They are razor <laughs> thin margins. Remember when Arizona?
1: Remember when Arizona was f- so far ahead, and now they've just gone absolutely to the shitter.
0: They were never going to compete with the Dodgers for the NLS. Like, let's be oh, honest, we were kidding God. ourselves whenever we uh, were like, Oh, well, maybe uh, the Diamondbacks uh, can pull it off." <laughs> fuck. <laughs> but razor thin margins in the NL Wild and again tip of the cap to Major League Baseball for the expanded playoffs, because we're not even having this conversation, I don't think. Um, if, If the playoffs aren't expanded the way they currently are, like, yes, we are talking about one of these teams snagging the final wildcard spot, but right now, we are instead of one, you know, one spot for one, two, three, four, five teams, we're now talking about two spots for five teams. Like, there are two spots available, and... Two of the five teams that I just said are going to get a final spot. Like I said, today is our deadline. Your final pick for the NL wild card. Who do you got? Oh,
1: that's tough. I'm the final wild card. I'm gonna say are the Cubs. Okay. Oh, this is tough. And the Giants.
0: Cubs? So so you got Phillies, Cubs, Giants? Yes. Okay. Okay, I like it. I also love the <laughs> Phillies. Uh, Trey Turner, by the way, like, was getting booed by yeah. Phillies fans, and then he talked about how it was making his mom sad, so Phillies fans started to cheer for him, and then he immediately oh, wow, so cute. turns it around. Like, I absolutely <laughs> love that story that these – garbage philly fans are just like booing them and look i i can't do a good philly accent but i hate the idea from like boston yankee fans um you know these these fans in like philly as well they're like, well if you want to play here this is what you got to put up with you're the the heat, then get out of philly baby like i hate that so much so to see them like the, the reasonable fans that are in Philadelphia cheer him on and then him immediately answer by just being the player that they thought they were getting when they signed him. It's just awesome. Like, I, I love seeing that for Trey Turner. Um, so I just want to get that out in the open. But my picks for the NL wildcard, I'm changing it up, baby. I'm going Philly. I'm going Philadelphia. I'm going with the Chicago Cubs. And then I'm going with the Miami Marlins. As my third, okay. Team. I think the Marlin snag the third spot, and I'm basing this based off largely based off the fact that they have just been a team that, in a lot of aspects, has actually underperformed. Right, like like we've we've talked about them being like, yeah, they they won this game, they won this series, but like in a lot of ways, they have underperformed. And one guy I really look at as somebody who. Excuse me, is starting to look like he's kind of turning it around is Sandy Alcantara, who last year was one of the most dominant pitchers in the game. He's really started to turn it around lately. Like, go look at Alcantara's game log. He has been phenomenal this year like since since that kind of little stretch where he wasn't really himself he's been going deep into ball games he hasn't been giving up a lot of runs he did get tagged for three homers against the dodgers but he hasn't not logged a quality start aside from the one start in texas at the start of august he hasn't not logged a quality start more than once a month since the month of june like in july every start except for one was a quality start Every month every start in the month of August so far has been a quality start, except for one. And he keeps going deep into ball games. He keeps doing what he's supposed to do as a starting pitcher and giving the bullpen nights off. Like, he he is he is I think he's going to emerge as this team's ace once again. If he's not already, I think obviously I think he is, but like mm-hmm. he is going to be someone that Kind of carries this team into the postseason. I think. I I don't know if they have enough pieces around him, but with Yuri Perez seemingly returning to form, I think I think it's the Marlins that take that spot.
1: Okay, I I can definitely see it. I just I just pick the Giants because I think the Giants can do it. I, I but I can definitely see where you're coming from with Miami.
0: Yeah, I like it. So that's our only disagreement because we both think the Cubbies are gonna uh gonna do <laughs> Dude, it. the Cubs. Overperforming expectations I fucking love it Yeah exactly I love it so much Yeah it's a good Everybody loves to see it Alright well We'll wrap it up there We'll be back on Friday To talk about more We got an Alcantara start today Against the lowly San Diego Padres So uh, we'll be able to Break that down And so much more On Friday's episode But folks Thank you so much For listening to today's episode Be sure to subscribe To the podcast Leave us a review If you're on Apple Podcasts And of course Follow our Twitter As well Because we're uh, We're going to try To keep growing that as well. But for now, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Mike Liu, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Batter's Box.